chapter eight of my bondage and my freedom by frederick douglas this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight a chapter of horrors austin gore a sketch of his character overseers as a class their peculiar characteristics the marked individuality of austin gore his sense of duty how he whipped murder of poor denby how it occurred sensation how gore made peace with colonel lloyd the murder unpunished another dreadful murder narrated no laws for the protection of slaves can be enforced in the southern states as i have already intimated elsewhere the slaves on colonel lloyd's plantation whose hard lot under mr sevier the reader has already noticed and deplored were not permitted to enjoy the comparatively moderate rule of mr hopkins the latter was succeeded by a very different man the name of the new overseer was austin gore upon this individual i would fix particular attention for under his rule there was more suffering from violence and bloodshed than had according to the older slaves ever been experienced before on this plantation i confess i hardly know how to bring this man fitly before the reader he was it is true an overseer and possessed to a large extent the peculiar characteristics of his class yet to call him merely an overseer would not give the reader a fair notion of the man i speak of overseers as a class they are such they are as distinct from the slaveholding gentry of the south as are the fish-women of paris and the coal-heavers of london distinct from other members of society they constitute a separate fraternity at the south not less marked than is the fraternity of park lane bullies in new york they have been arranged and classified by that great law of attraction which determines the spheres and affinities of men which ordains that men whose malign and brutal propensities predominate over their moral and intellectual endowments shall naturally fall into those employments which promise the largest gratification to those predominating instincts or propensities the office of overseer takes this raw material of vulgarity and brutality and stamps it as a distinct class of southern society but in this class as in all other classes there are characters of marked individuality even while they bear a general resemblance to the mass mr gore was one of those to whom a general characterization would do no manner of justice he was an overseer but he was something more with the malign and tyrannical qualities of an overseer he combined something of the lawful master he had the artfulness and the mean ambition of his class but he was wholly free from the disgusting swagger and noisy bravado of his fraternity there was an easy air of independence about him a calm self-possession and a sternness of glance which might well daunt hearts less timid than those of poor slaves accustomed from childhood and through life to cower before a driver's lash the home plantation of colonel lloyd afforded an ample field for the exercise of the qualifications for overseership which he possessed in such an eminent degree mr gore was one of those overseers who could torture 
the slightest word or look into impudence he had the nerve not only to resent but to punish promptly and severely he never allowed himself to be answered back by a slave in this he was as lordly and as imperious as colonel edward lloyd himself acting always up to the maxim practically maintained by slaveholders that it is better that a dozen slaves suffer under the lash without fault than that the master or the overseer should seem to have been wrong in the presence of the slave everything must be absolute here guilty or not guilty it is enough to be accused to be sure of a flogging the very presence of this man gore was painful and i shunned him as i would have shunned a rattlesnake his piercing black eyes and sharp shrill voice ever awakened sensations of terror among the slaves for so young a man i describe him as he was twenty-five or thirty years ago mr gore was singularly reserved and grave in the presence of slaves he indulged in no jokes said no funny things and kept his own counsels other overseers how brutal soever they might be were at times inclined to gain favour with the slaves by indulging a little pleasantry but gore was never known to be guilty of any such weakness he was always the cold distant unapproachable overseer of colonel edward lloyd's plantation and needed no higher pleasure than was involved in a faithful discharge of the duties of his office when he whipped he seemed to do so from a sense of duty and feared no consequences what hopkins did reluctantly gore did with alacrity there was a stern will an iron-like reality about this gore which would have easily made him the chief of a band of pirates had his environments been favourable to such a course of life all the coolness savage barbarity and freedom from moral restraint which are necessary in the character of a pirate chief centred i think in this man gore among many other deeds of shocking cruelty which he perpetrated while i was at mr lloyd's was the murder of a young coloured man named denby he was sometimes called bill denby or denby i write from sound and the sounds on lloyd's plantation are not very certain i knew him well he was a powerful young man full of animal spirits and so far as i know he was among the most valuable of colonel lloyd's slaves in something i know not what he offended this mr austin gore and in accordance with the custom of the latter he undertook to flog him he gave denby but few stripes the latter broke away from him and plunged into the creek and standing there to the depth of his neck in water he refused to come out at the order of the overseer whereupon for this refusal gore shot him dead it is said that gore gave denby three calls telling him that if he did not obey the last call he would shoot him when the third call was given denby stood his ground firmly and this raised the question in the minds of the bystanding slaves will he dare to shoot mr gore without further parley and without making any further effort to induce denby to come out of the water raised his gun deliberately to his face took deadly aim at his standing victim and in an instant poor denby was numbered with the dead his mangled body sank out of sight and only his warm red blood marked the place where he had stood this devilish outrage this fiendish murder 
produced as it was well calculated to do a tremendous sensation a thrill of horror flashed through every soul on the plantation if i may accept the guilty wretch who had committed the hell-black deed while the slaves generally were panic-struck and howling with alarm the murderer himself was calm and collected and appeared as though nothing unusual had happened the atrocity roused my old master and he spoke out in reprobation of it but the whole thing proved to be less than a nine days wonder both colonel lloyd and my old master arraigned gore for his cruelty in the matter but this amounted to nothing his reply or explanation as i remember to have heard it at the time was that the extraordinary expedient was demanded by necessity that denby had become unmanageable that he had set a dangerous example to the other slaves and that without some such prompt measure as that to which he had resorted were adopted there would be an end to all rule and order on the plantation the very convenient covert for all manner of cruelty and outrage that cowardly alarm cried that the slaves would take the place was pleaded in extenuation of this revolting crime just as it had been cited in defence of a thousand similar ones he argued that if one slave refused to be corrected and was allowed to escape with his life when he had been told that he should lose it if he persisted in his course the other slaves would soon copy his example the result of which would be the freedom of the slaves and the enslavement of the whites i have every reason to believe that mr gore's defence or explanation was deemed satisfactory at least to colonel lloyd he was continued in his office on the plantation his fame as an overseer went abroad and his horrid crime was not even submitted to judicial investigation the murder was committed in the presence of slaves and they of course could neither institute a suit nor testify against the murderer his bare word would go further in a court of law than the united testimony of ten thousand black witnesses all that mr gore had to do was to make his peace with colonel lloyd this done and the guilty perpetrator of one of the most foul murders goes unwhipped of justice and uncensured by the community in which he lives mr gore lived in st michael's talbot county when i left maryland if he is still alive he probably yet resides there and i have no reason to doubt that he is now as highly esteemed and as greatly respected as though his guilty soul had never been stained with innocent blood i am well aware that what i have now written will by some be branded as false and malicious it will be denied not only that such a thing ever did transpire as i have now narrated but that such a thing could happen in maryland i can only say believe it or not that i have said nothing but the literal truth gainsay it who may i speak advisedly when i say this that killing a slave or any colored person in talbot county maryland is not treated as a crime either by the courts or the community mr thomas landman ship carpenter of st michael's killed two slaves one of whom he butchered with a hatchet by knocking his brains out he used to boast of the commission of the awful and bloody deed i have heard him do so laughingly saying among other things that he was the only benefactor of his country in the company and that when others would do as much as he had done we should be believed of the damned niggers as an evidence of the reckless disregard of human life where the life is that of a slave i may state the notorious fact that the wife of mr giles hicks who lived but a short distance from colonel lloyd's with her own hands murdered my wife's cousin a young girl between fifteen and sixteen years of age 
mutilating her person in a most shocking manner the atrocious woman in the paroxysm of her wrath not content with murdering her victim literally mangled her face and broke her breastbone wild however and infuriated as she was she took the precaution to cause a slave-girl to be buried but the facts of the case coming abroad very speedily led to the disinterment of the remains of the murdered slave-girl a coroner's jury was assembled who decided that the girl had come to her death by a severe beating it was ascertained that the offence for which the girl was thus hurried out of the world was this she had been set that night and several preceding nights to mind mrs hicks's baby and having fallen into a sound sleep the baby cried waking mrs hicks but not the slave-girl mrs hicks becoming infuriated at the girl's tardiness after calling her several times jumped from her bed and seized a piece of firewood from the fireplace and then as she lay fast asleep she deliberately pounded in her skull and breastbone and thus ended her life i will not say that this most horrid murder produced no sensation in the community it did produce a sensation but incredible to tell the moral sense of the community was blunted too entirely by the ordinary nature of slavery horrors to bring the murderers to punishment a warrant was issued for her arrest but for some reason or other that warrant was never served thus did mrs hicks not only escape condign punishment but even the pain and mortification of being arraigned before a court of justice whilst i am detailing the bloody deeds that took place during my stay on colonel lloyd's plantation i will briefly narrate another dark transaction which occurred about the same time as the murder of denby by mr gore on the side of the river wye opposite from colonel lloyd's there lived a mr beale bondley a wealthy slaveholder in the direction of his land and near the shore there was an excellent oyster fishing ground and to this some of the slaves of colonel lloyd occasionally resorted in their little canoes at night with a view to make up the deficiency of their scanty allowance of food by the oysters that they could easily get there this mr bonley took it into his head to regard as a trespass and while an old man belonging to colonel lloyd was engaged in catching a few of the many millions of oysters that lined the bottom of that creek to satisfy his hunger the villainous mr bonley lying in ambush without the slightest ceremony discharged the contents of his musket into the back and shoulders of the poor old man as good fortune would have it the shot did not prove mortal and mr bonley came over the next day to see colonel lloyd whether to pay him for his property or to justify himself for what he had done i know not but this i can say the cruel and dastardly transaction was speedily hushed up there was very little said about it at all and nothing was publicly done which looked like the application of the principle of justice to the man whom chance only saved from being an actual murderer one of the commonest sayings to which my ears early became accustomed on colonel lloyd's plantation and elsewhere in maryland was that it was worth but half a cent to kill a nigger and a half a cent to bury him and the facts of my experience go far to justify the practical truth of this strange proverb laws for the protection of the lives of the slaves are as they must needs be utterly incapable of being enforced where the very parties who are nominally protected are not permitted to give evidence in courts of law against the only class of persons from whom abuse outrage and murder might be reasonably apprehended while i heard of numerous murders committed by slaveholders on the eastern shore of maryland 
i never knew a solitary instance in which a slaveholder was either hung or imprisoned for having murdered a slave the usual pretext for killing a slave is that the slave has offered resistance should a slave when assaulted but raise his hand in self-defence the white assaulting party is fully justified by southern or maryland public opinion in shooting the slave down sometimes this is done simply because it is alleged that the slave has been saucy but here i leave this phase of the society of my early childhood and will relieve the kind reader of these heart-sickening details End of chapter eight